On this episode of the Autumn Windbags, we dive deep into the ESPN article about the John Gruden, Dan Snyder email itch situation. We do all of the work so you don't have to. Ten biggest takeaways for Raider fans on that article. Plus, we look at the top five positions where it should be up for grabs to be the starter. We talk a little role play, Josh Jacobs and Dave Ziegler, about what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs' contract. And PETA emailed us. And we love when you subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform you're listening on. All right, here we go. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. If you hear a swirling vortex in the background or cop cars, that's because I have a giant fan running and Soto has his window open on the mean streets of Long Beach because it was almost 90 degrees in Long Beach today. It was almost 120 in Vegas, but I would, but in, in Vegas, everyone has AC. Few people have AC in Long Beach because you only need it a couple weeks a year, right? It's not I, not nice here. It's hot. It is hot. But the good news is, as we dive deep into summer, that means football season is only getting closer. Fifty nine days away until Week One: Raiders versus Broncos. Soto, we are officially under two months away from real American football. It feels like. Like I'm excited for it, but it's like it's like bubbling, you know. Yeah, you have bad taqueria. Like you know it's coming, but it's not there just yet, and it's bubbling and it's just stewing. The bubble That's guts. I feel right now. Yeah, fo- you have football bubble guts. I do have football you, bubble guts until you diarrhea football all over your screens. Can't wait. We're getting so close. Um, well, the timing for this story was kind of nice. We we're kind of in the dog days of. Season like the Josh Jacobs saga still ongoing. Nothing new to report as of right now. Uh, training camp not yet underway. Still uh, a week and a half, a little almost just under two weeks away. Actual training camp to begin. Yeah, um, we're I mean, still I, waiting. I, I've on- been I've been uh, monitoring uh, the Saquon Barkley closely as well, and there's like super conflicting reports that he was offered a deal about twelve and a half a year. Saquon went on his Twitter and said 13 mil per year cap. So he's just like, that's bullshit. I was never offered that. Yeah. So it's like, it's misinformation season, going on? right? When in, so there's contracts going on, it's misinformation season, the agents, the GMs, everyone's trying to get their story out there. Um, but long story short, not a ton going on until this nuclear bomb dropped via ESPN, uh, a fantastic piece of journalism. There's a big difference between good media, good writing, good entertainment, good context, good thoughtfulness, and good journalism. This was just on point. Just quality journalism by Don Venata Jr. and Seth Wickersham. Um, so the basically, uh, the, this, the title is, He was free and clear how the leak of John Gruden's email led to the fall of Commander's owner Dan Snyder. We'll put the link down in the description, but I highly recommend it, you know, if you can give it a whirl. Now, the sometimes the down sometimes the downside, Soto, is you 
just because you're a really, really, really good journalist, it's not often you're both an awesome journalist and an awesome writer. Like God doesn't give with both hands all that often, right? That's why hot chicks tend to be dumb and awesome chicks tend to have knobby knees or whatever your little RJ. maybe. Gonna get us canceled before we even freaking hit it. So this is a brutally rough read because it's long, doesn't flow great, but is extremely informative. Informative, and the, it took me about three times reading it to really be able to like grasp all the nuance and remember everything. Well, it's but also hard to like suppress the anger every time you read a new sentence, and you're like, "Fuck!" Right? I had to get seventeen new monitors because I just kept throwing my beer at mine in disgust. Um. But the good news is we read it, so you don't have to. And this is a national story. This is an NFL sports story, a big one, this piece of journalism. The team that should pay attention to the most to it and the team that this affects the most is the commanders, right? Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. The second team that this talks about the most and affects the most is the Raiders, you could even argue, football-wise, this affected the Raiders far more. Because Dan Snyder coming or going, the on-field performance may not be as drastic as losing John Gruden, right? So you can, you can make an argument that this story affects the Raiders' football more than any other team. Argument to be made there. So I took down 10 things. 10 pieces of context, 10 initiatives, 10 statements, 10 quotes, 10 elements to this story that Raider fans need to know. Now, a lot of parts of this story we knew before. Parts of these stories we've heard about before, part of these stories we'd never heard before in all varying degrees. All right, Raider Roll Soto? Ready. So this first quote, comes after the first story in the Wall Street Journal came out, right? There was multiple stories that were leaked about John Gruden's emails. And this was the this was after the very first one, right? When we were when he was still coaching. Mark Davis had no intention of firing Gruden. So the quote when Davis and Mitchell took the conference call with Roger Goodell and NFL General Counsel Jeff Pash, Davis leaned towards sticking by Gruden, but Davis felt immediate pressure. According to sources with direct knowledge of the call, Goodell repeatedly told Davis, you have to do something, yada, yada, yada. Goodell then tells Davis, there's more emails coming. Davis turned to Ventrelli and just whispered, motherfucker. So Mark Davis was all for keeping John Gruden or maybe it was a suspension, you know, something, but he wasn't going to fire him. That wasn't good enough for Roger Goodell. After the first story, and Goodell said, you got to do something because more, more is coming. So this sort of makes me semi-think like if Gruden, if Davis would have fired Gruden on the spot, would more of these emails have come out the way that they did? I don't know. But it does, it, that does sound like a threat from Goodell saying do something because more is coming. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make sense because it wasn't like, the New York Times was sitting on things. I'm going to slow roll it. Mm -hmm. When they got stuff, they put the story together and then released it. And then when this other stuff came out, that stuff they got subsequent to the initial stuff or else it would have been in the initial story. Next one. 
This was uh, after the New York Times story. So there's another story that's come out saying how Goodell was it was the it was the the line that Roger Goodell, John Gruden saying Roger Goodell was anti-football, the, the football hating pussy, like the best line that came out of these league. Like if there's one positive that came out of it, we got a great line. Roger Goodell is a football hating pussy. That was a great one. Uh, this quote, what angered Mark Davis more than anything, he later said, was being surprised by the emails months after the NFL, other owners, Snyder, Roger Goodell, knew about them. He is an owner in the NFL. And he was one of the last guys to know about this. When other owners already knew. When this should have been cooperative information. When he should have been the first person told, hey, by the way, Mark, some emails are going to be coming out about your head coach. Here's a heads up. You might want to think about how you're handle- going to handle this. Let's give you a chance to get ahead of it. Something like that. Nope. And that's why Dan Snyder, or uh, Mark Davis said, fuck the NFL and fuck Dan Snyder. Yeah, fuck him. Fuck him in the ear. It's just, it's just, it's insane. When all this stuff, look, the issue that's happening is the NFL is doing a great job of jumbling up the information. Mm-hmm. They don't give you the information or they don't let information leak in sequence, right? They give you bits and pieces. So like you have to, remember every little thing and then piece it together yourself. Once someone has done that, you take a look at all that information. And you're like, what the fuck happened here? Why did we allow this organization to do this? When you're the last owner to know, it feels like a hit job. When you should be the first owner to know and you're the last owner to know, that's on purpose. Uh, also, also quoted, it seemed to Davis as if he and the Raiders were collateral damage and what he saw as Goodell's years-long effort to protect Dan Snyder of all owners at all costs. You know, it was like uh, John Gruden was Joe Pesci mm-hmm. and, and the Raiders were fucking Robert De Niro and um, the other fucking guy, Hank Hill, Henry Hill. Uh, yeah. In Goodfellas. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. Like everyone knew except them. And then here comes freaking, you know, good, uh, uh, Mark Davis slamming the phone mm-hmm. at, at the payphone, to slamming it, slamming it, slamming it. He says, done. He's dead. It's over. He's done. Dead. It's done. He's dead. Dead. He's dead. Next one. Uh, so this was, we found out, or, uh, you know, elsewhere in the story that Daniel Snyder was given the emails, right? After the investigation, he was given the like 650,000 emails, whatever the number was, including the Gruden ones. Now, Snyder at this time was on the outs. He was semi-suspended, but because he basically blackmailed the NFL, he got to pick his own punishment. It's like, oh, here's a couple million dollars of charity, and you have to like step aside for a little bit. But he was still at the games, that kind of shit, right? So he was technically, you know, he was technically on the outs, but he got to pick his own punishment. And because he was on, and because the NFL at the time was dealing with the Colin Kaepernick kneeling situation, they hired Rock Nation, Jay-Z's company. And the CEO of that company is Desiree Perez. Remember that name because it comes up later. Basically, Rock Nation was brought on to make the NFL look less racist. They're like, all right, let's buy some street cred here because this Colin Kaepernick <laughs> thing isn't, isn't being handled well. And this is a running theme that we will continue to be looking at over this thing where it's all the people pretending to be aghast by Gruden's emails were all either in on it or using it to monopolize their position. No one actually gave a fuck. It was, what's a political term? Never let a, a crisis um, 
go unused or whatever it may be, right? Like whenever something goes wrong, they find a way to profit from it. That's what every single person in this story did, other than Mark Davis and John Gruden. So Snyder couldn't resist. Sources said they were told Snyder and the NFL saw opportunity in publicizing racist and anti-gay emails from the league's most prominent head coaches. They said it would divert attention from this situation with Snyder and give room for everybody to lay down their swords. This was a hatchet job, a gift wrapped by Snyder for Goodell to get back into Goodell's good graces on the suspension. A source from Perez, the CEO, said this. Goodell and the league wanted to off Gruden and seem like they were tough on racism. This was a gift. See, the thing is, you can know like you can know something, but being able to prove it is completely different. Yeah. It's a it's an it's not even the same sport, same league, same planet. Knowing something and being able to prove it are in different galaxies, right? Mm. When people are starting to talk, it's 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 all going to come out. It's all now. I want to say this before we go any further. Set. This is not absolving John Gruden of what he did, of what he said, uh, any of that stuff. He's already been tried and convicted in the court of public opinion. That is completely separate from what we're talking about here. He's been fired and lost tens of millions of dollars for emails from ten years ago. He has gotten his punishment. Yeah. So look, I want to make sure that everyone is perfectly clear. If I get some like, oh, you guys are defending John Gruden, fuck you up your fucking nose because that's not what we're saying at all this is the hypocrisy of everybody else look we as regular folk we go to work we got our wife we got our kids we got our jobs we got our hobbies we watch our football we drink our beer regular joe schmo americans we go about looking at politics as it affects us a tax hike how am i gonna pay my rent you change the laws on i don't know rights of x you know of 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 divorced dads, am I going to be able to see my kid? You're dumping pollution into my ocean. Am I going to be able to swim in it? Like that's, we are affected by these decisions. The higher ups don't clutch their pearls at things. The politicians, the one percenters, the billionaires, the elites, all this shit we worry about, they think, how can we monopolize on this? How can we make money off of this? It's like, oh, racism? It, they're not thinking, oh, this is a terrible thing. How can, can we make this world better? It's how can we use this to our advantage? How can we bury somebody in the name of we're anti-racist to benefit ourselves? Not trying to make the world better. It's how can we benefit ourselves? The hypocrisy is what we're pointing out. Not the seedling that was John Gruden's emails from a decade ago. Very true. Next one. After Gruden resigned... Forced to resign, quit, resign, whatever. His attorneys started looking at the journalists that wrote these stories. And this is crazy. So the Times Roseman piece, oh, the, so the, the guy who wrote the Times, Rossman, he wrote a piece in February about Rock Nation's partnership with the NFL. So this is a writer who knows Rock Nation, knows the NFL, and did a fluff piece on their relationship. The guy from the journal, guy beaten, wrote in 2021 about Dan and Tanya Snyder's efforts to reform the team's culture. Another fluff job. So two journalists that were giving hand jobs to the people involved were two of the journalists that miraculously somehow did the journalism to get these emails. 
RJ said in sarcasm. Clearly what happened was they went to their journalists that would give them hand jobs and give them good press and said, all right, here's a story. Here's a bone. A source close to Snyder said, how stupid can you be? They left a trail in the dirt. The thing is, is when sometimes when people are in a position where they are in control of a lot of things mm. and they, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't want for resources, right? Yeah. They get away with a lot of stupid shit, right? They get away with a lot of things. So when they're left to do the things that they think is best, they don't always cover their tracks or doing, do it in a way that's the smartest. I think they're and, and and what happens is if you keep doing this enough, you're going to do something that's really bad and you can't cover your tracks. I also think it's a matter of laziness too, where Snyder's like, how many journalists do I know that don't? Well, that's what I'm me? saying. It's like, they're, like they get laziness and don't cover their tracks because they don't feel like they need to. Like every journalist in the DC area hates Dan Snyder because everyone in the DC area hates Dan Snyder. So he had to like find the one dude that was willing to do fluff pieces on him and be like, all right, if I'm going to, I'm not going to give this, this story, this leak, because this is a career making story, right? Like we know how, we know how the sausage is made. The guy shilled and he got his leak, right? But this is a career making story. These are giant nuclear bombs of media that these guys got access to. And so he's like, look, I'm not going to help someone who's writing shit about me. I'm going to help somebody who gives me fluff pieces. We should get beaten on the show. Up. Be like, listen, I'm not gonna speak out of turn here, but did he write the emails down for you or did he print them out and give them to you like that dude from Trading Places? He took screenshots and Snapchat chat message him to him. God, so terrible. Random ways. Next one. I um this is I'd forgotten awful. about this. I'd forgotten about this one. I can't believe I did. I forgot about the John Elway thing. So in this story, they did a good job of explaining why Mark Davis and by extension, John Gruden were so paranoid about the NFL and convinced that the NFL hates them. Uh, Gruden had his reasons to believe Goodell and the league office had it out for him. The reasons were planted by Al Davis talked about um, how the executives are like out of touch and all this stuff. And then, quote, Davis also was convinced that Commissioner Pete Rozelle had personally killed a trade before the 1983 draft that would have sent John Elway to the Raiders. I completely forgot about that. I wasn't born yet. I was born in 83. I completely forgot about that. The Raiders, or the, uh, the Baltimore Colts, had the number one overall pick. John Elway was there, and John Elway did not want to go to Baltimore. He so made he that said, very clear. He made it abundantly clear, and he even said, I'm going to go play for the Yankees if you draft me. So the Raiders, Al Davis said he got he, he went to the to Baltimore and said, "Here's three first round picks and two second round picks, a king's ransom to get John Elway." The NFL nixed the trade, and so what happened? The Broncos got him for a backup quarterback, a tackle, and a first round pick. The Raiders offered three firsts and two seconds. And yet the Broncos got it for a first and two guys whose names I don't, don't even know when I looked them up. That's yep. a fucking hatchet job if there was one. And it gets worse. That's just the Elway part. Here's the other part. So they talked in the article multiple times about why 
Gruden hates Roger Goodell, thinks you know the higher-ups at the NFL are a problem. It's like, well, he just got that from the Davis family. It's not really real. This is when people, guys, when other fans of other teams go to you and say, why do the Raiders think the NFL hates them? That's bullshit. You're being paranoid. You're just being victims. Show them this, all this shit. Gruden's issue with the league led from multiple things. The tuck rule change. He got sent to NFL headquarters when he was commentating on Monday Night Football to learn about player safety because he said like one line about, I don't know what they're doing out there. He was pissed about the lockout. He was pissed that in 2009, clubs voted to allow teams to eliminate pensions for certain employees and some coaches. He got stood up by Roger Goodell one time at the NFL headquarters because he wanted to do a meeting on youth football. It's one of Gruden's like passions. So he was like, Roger Goodell, this is something you should care about, right? More kids playing football means more eyes for NFL, better players. John Gruden went to the NFL headquarters to discuss that. Roger Goodell stiffed him. Also, when Mark Davis got elbowed out of going to Los Angeles, like the Raiders are the biggest football franchise in LA. Like the biggest fan base by far. No close second. And instead, the Chargers and Rams came here. And the Chargers get to play to 90% away fans every time. But this one I didn't know. So with that, that, all that stuff we knew. This part I didn't know. Remember when the Raiders were fined $500,000 and grew and $150,000 and a sixth round pick for the COVID-19 violations, right? Multiple other teams and coaches had the same thing. Sean Payton, coach of the Saints, friend of John Gruden, also was fined for his COVID-19 violations. Sean Payton hits up his cell phone. Beep, beep, beep. Hey, Siri, call John Gruden. Calls John Gruden and says, I never paid the fine. You're the only dumb motherfucker that paid the fine. I would have called him a dumb fuck too. <laughs> <laughs> Gruden's like, look, I'm not going to welch. I'm going to take my punishment. That's the rules. Rules are rules. But again, this is just yet another example with the NFL rules are not rules. They're not. It's hack jobs and hatchet jobs. I mean, you best believe if Gruden didn't fucking pay the fine, he'd be suspended. Mm -hmm. And now Peyton's telling him, like, oh, yeah, no one else paid the fine. Yeah. You're the only one that did. Uh, one last thing. Not last thing, but one, one more thing that I didn't have, like, quote on. But in there it said that John Gruden had designs of one day becoming commissioner of the NFL. That was in there as well. Which... He is so opposite what the NFL wants as a commissioner because he's such a football guy. Like Roger Goodell is like the son of a senator, a politician, silver spoon, political contacts, being able to be a piece of shit. Like that's what the that's what the NFL like. It sucks and it blows. But when you're a multi multi billion dollar international organization with a million moving parts, you kind of want a piece of shit at the head of the table. That's like I have no problems throwing my morals out of the out of the you know 38 story window if it means we get one percent more profits next year because that's roger goodell well as john gruden's like just loves football like he cares about football he wants football to thrive and it's non-football people at nfl headquarters the whole the whole lot so to recap we found out that john gruden was just collateral damage by leaking these emails that it was all a farce. All parties involved were like, how can we take advantage of this situation? How can we bury people for our own benefit? 
No one cared about the racism. No one cared about the anti-gay slips. No one cared about that. No one were like trying to make the world better or be like, hey, if we get John Gruden fired, this world will be less racist. No one thought that because everyone knew that was bullshit. They're like, how can we benefit from this? And this is just yet example 942 of the NFL's longstanding history of fucking the Raiders blatantly and publicly. It's not our paranoia. It's not made up fantasy land. It's not looking for reasons for, you know, us not doing well the last few years. There's a long storied history of that. And this is just scratching the surface of it. This is where things got really interesting. This, this, is, this is, is why I hate losing so much. I hate losing so much because I, I really hate phoniness. I hate fake shit. And it's like the whole league makes us out to be the bad guys. And that's fine. I, I don't mind that role. But when they're the bad guys making it unfair for not just us, but whoever they feel like targeting at the time, it's it's shitty, man. It's It's real shitty. And to see it laid out like this, it's it's really disheartening, to be honest with you. The hypocrisy is real. Now, there's one, I don't know if it's a good part of this story, but there's one, maybe the little guy can win part of this story. So as we know, John Gruden is suing Roger Goodell personally and the NFL in general over those emails. He said they're liable. He said it was a hatchet job. Um, they were out to get me and they don't judge everyone equally, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in this story, they talked about that. John Gruden is currently winning this lawsuit. Although according to, uh, and I quote from the ESPN story, although the league initially expressed confidence that Gruden's lawsuit would be dismissed, Gruden has won every single court mo motion against the NFL. Now we know that the league has... Um, oh, wait, wrong one. Uh, we know that the league wants everything to go to arbitration because it's a kangaroo court. Like Roger Goodell controls arbitration. It's not a real, not a real court case, not a real jury. Like nothing's going to happen there, right? If he can keep it out of arbitration, that means it goes to discovery, which is where shit gets interesting. That means now... John Gruen's team gets access to all 650,000 of those emails and all the damning evidence, all the hypocrisy, all the lies, everyone telling on themselves will be in his pocket. A ruling is expected later this year if they can avoid arbitration. And then um, we start having discovery. That's what we need. Once yep. once the discovery portion comes, it's it's over from there. Sunlight disinfects. And 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 I don't know that John Gruden will ever settle for any amount of money, even after the discovery phase, even after all the stuff has come out. He wants the conviction. I'm glad you asked that, Soto. I'm glad you said that. Because in the final quote that I'm gonna show from you of this. Normally, it's I've been like paraphrasing. It's like I knew it was coming. What a fucking pro I am. Like, I've been paraphrasing and saying some quotes here and there. I'm going to quote this entire two paragraphs. Get your dicks out, Raider fans, because this is great. John Gruden pers persists in believing that Goodell 
pushed the code red against him. He told associates, adding that the commissioner executed the kill shot on his career, a bullet to the head. Gruden insists he won't settle his lawsuit for any amount intending to, and I quote, burn the house down to reveal the truth about who ordered the leaks. This was a massive hit job, Gruden recently told an associate, often saying Allen had told him the 650,000 emails incriminate everyone in the league. Why would these people want to come and get me? The only explanation, he said, is that he had led a league-wide whispering campaign of fuck Roger Goodell. And I'm not the only one, by the way. Deep down, I knew he, Goodell, had me by the balls. I can't wait for this lawsuit to get to discovery. This is a treasure trove. TMZ in five years won't get as much gossip as these 650,000 emails. Like this is 650,000 stories about every team in the league, every coach, every GM. Fuck ton about Roger Goodell. And John Gruden said, okay, you're going to come after me. You're going to try to make me the bad guy. You're going to have me take the fall for Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell's pissing match. You want to fuck on me? You want to fuck on me? Well, he's going to fuck on you back. I can't wait. What did they expect to happen? I don't think they thought that far ahead. John Gruden made so much fucking money. He doesn't need the fucking money anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, what, did he, what did they expect of a, a person with the ego the size of John Gruden's? He's just going to sit back and take the L? Maybe John Gruden will become commissioner because he's going to be the only guy left standing after this nuke is dropped and it's scorched earth. It's going to be like, Cockroaches, Twinkies, and John Gruden. Because John Gruden's emails already came out. It's already come out. Like, that's already done. You know what this reminds me of? He knew for everybody else. This reminds me of Jose Canseco. Yeah. Because he was the first bad guy. You're the cheater. You're the fucking, you're the roid head. You're this, you're that, blah, 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 blah. So when he told everybody, yo, man, there's a lot of shit going on. You better fucking chill, right? You better fucking relax. And they kept fucking at him. Mm -hmm. So he outed everybody in his book. And then when everything came out, he's like, who's the fucking liar now? Yep. That reminds me a lot of it. Okay, who's the bad guy now? The it's it's I love like if I was ever gonna be a journalist, the the thriving drive for me would be unearthing hypocrisy. I hate this it. Fucking rock nation, this Perez girl brought in paid to make the league look less racist. That's why they were there. It's like, all right, let's buy some street cred and look less racist because of the Colin Kaepernick situation. And they end up manipulating racism to advance Dan Snyder, the biggest piece of shit owner in the NFL. Like, again, that's the hypocrisy at the higher levels. Like, and, we're, and, the, we're, we're the ones that like, whose kids get made fun of in school for God knows what. We're the ones that don't get the apartments we want or whatever, right? Like us, us common folk are the ones that take the brunt of punishments of these actions. But the higher ups and the elites, they're just like, oh, how can we use this to our advantage? The, the worst story of, the, of American Congress I can possibly think of, the Boston Marathon bombing. Remember that years ago, right? Yeah. The day after the Boston Marathon bombing, the entire country is coming together 
trying to love each other. How could this happen? What can we do to help? Let's mourn together for our brothers and sisters, those that we lost. Do you know what Congress get, did that day? When the entire country was looking oh, away from like Congress. $3 trillion or something like that? They gave themselves a pay raise. The day after the Boston Marathon bombing, when the entire country, entire world, was trying to make the world a little better after and grieving from that terrible tragedy, Congress goes, not how can we make the world safer? How can we provide relief? How can we make our constituents feel better? It's like, oh, perfect. No one's paying attention. Let's write ourselves some checks. Those are the people that we're dealing with in this country. You know, I don't know what they expected from Dan Snyder yeah. after they forced him out. Like, they're, they're doing all this shit and, and they're fucking people over who've helped them fuck other people over. Yep. And, and, and I mean, if I was the NFL, I don't give a shit what the fucking, as long as it wasn't like a federal fucking and any of that bullshit, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do anything for Dan Snyder, to Dan Snyder. Because uh, he has too much dirt. He knows where all the bodies are buried. I mean, he, there may not be anything that happens to him, right? In, in late May, he said, like, okay, I'm going to sell. It's still not done. Like, no. I mean, it, it looks like it probably will be. Like, Jerry Jones and the rest of the owners want it to. At least they, they said so publicly. But after this story came out, fuck, it might have been Dan Snyder that leaked this whole story. <laughs> to just be like, hey, guys, just a reminder. There's 650,000 career burying emails out there. Just a reminder. Just playing pawns with all this shit. He even told us. Didn't he tell us? Didn't he fucking say? Didn't he tell us? He has dirt on the entire league. Didn't he say that? Yep. It was. They called it the oh. blackmail PowerPoint. When they when 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 he was brought into the league. When Dan Snyder was brought into the league to explain. All right, defend yourself with all of how bad the culture is, the sex issues. All that shit going on in your organization. Why should we allow you to keep your organization? And that was their entire defense. Not, no, I'm actually a good guy. And here's some evidence of it. It's like, I have shit on all y'all. That's why you should have me keep this team. Yep. And that's shitty when fucking Dan Snyder calls you a hypocrite. Right? (laughs) That's a new fucking level, dude. It's like when you get the kingpin of of a drug league. You know what I mean? Like, all right, I can bury everybody. I, I know the cops that are dirty. I know the politicians that are dirty. Dude, the gangsters in the street slinging rock are, are the innocent ones. Like, I got I got politicians. I got judges in my pocket, bro. All right. Can we talk okay. some actual football, please? Sure. <laughs> can we get this taste out of our mouth? I'm just fucking angry right now, but whatever. I know. let's talk some football. I know. Let's talk some football, right? That's a cure for all our problems. Talking football. Let's go over. The starting positions most up for grabs for the Raiders. Yeah, let's make ourselves feel better by talking about the five shittiest positions we have on the team. Well, <laughs> it might be, it might be, uh, it just means the most open. It could end up being maybe not the worst positions, but it's the positions where no one's like solidified, right? We know who our kicker is. We know how our who our ends are. We know how our left tackle is. A bunch of positions we know who it's going to be. Here's five positions, the top five most up for grabs. In our opinion. And I wrote this list. And I was like, all right, hey, Soto, if your list is drastically different, let's do two different lists. If it's pretty similar, then let's merge them. And you're like, no, this is, yeah, this is more or less what it is. So it seems like it should be a no-brain. Yeah. No, number five, linebacker. Sp- 
specifically one of the outside linebackers. It seems like Divine Diablo almost surely will be one of the outside linebackers, more or less. Um, probably Robert Spillane at middle, probably Luke Ma Masterson as the other outside. But their spots are just there because they're there. Like you uh, literally an undrafted free agent could come in and beat out either one of those guys. Yeah. It, there's the, I think the divine Diablo is the only, I mean, lock starter in the linebacking core. Spillane's mm -hmm. getting money, but not a ton of money. Um, it's not like he's little tin and shit where he, you have to play him because he's making a ton of money. Yeah. Um, so if Spillane doesn't, you know, if he gets outplay, I, I could see him not starting for sure. Number four. This is the most interesting one. I put quarterback. 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 Now, obviously, if Jimmy G string is healthy, he's starting. Yeah. No, no doubt about it, right? $33 million guaranteed he's starting. But, but, but that's a giant butt. And not just the big butts that Jimmy G loves to shove dollar bills into. The big butt is if he's healthy. He is still currently not healthy. He may not be in training camp. He may not be week one. We're confident that he should be. But it's Jimmy G, and he's already hurt. If he is hurt, are we so sure that Brian Hoyer is going to be the next guy? Like, if Jimmy G is out for 12 weeks, they're going to put Aiden O'Connell in. Why would you waste an entire season of starting experience on a guy, Brian Hoyer, who has one foot on the sideline with the clipboard as a coach and one foot just playing football? So, number five, quarterback... It's going. It's it's going to be interesting all season because of Jimmy G and his injury history. If he, God forbid, does really truly get injured, it might be a fourth round rookie quarterback playing for the team all season long. Goddamn! You know, look, like you said, Brian Hoyer was brought in to be more of like a transitional coach, player type guy. Yep. I think more so to help the younger players. Um, learn how to study, learn how to prepare. And if, let's say, for example, it's taking the younger guys a little bit longer and they're not quite ready, I, I think that the staff is comfortable that Hoyer can go in and execute the game plan yep. with limited snaps in practice. Yeah, like if, if, if Jimmy G goes down in the second quarter, you know, and, just, and it's only out for a half, that's Hoyer. Right, or even, or even the next game. Let, let's say the next yeah. game. Okay, look, yeah, we, have to get, we have to get O'Connell ready. We have to get Farver ready to go. Let's give him the snaps. Let's say by like Thursday, they're like, dude, he's just he's not going to be ready to go. Hoyer can hop in with a day of practice, and he can run the offense. Yeah. Hoyer, Hoyer's the Band-Aid, but Aiden O'Connell would be like the stitches, bandages, and crutches. Like It's like, all right, it's 10 games. Why are we going to have Hoyer do that, right? Uh, number three, D-Tackle. Um, if I'm a defensive tackle free agent in the NFL, I should be begging the Raiders to sign me because you've got Max Crosby on one side, Chandler Jones and Tyree Wilson on the other side, or some combination of the two, your cat licking his nuts over your shoulder. That's where you want to be right now. Um, Jerry Tillery and Bilal Nichols, I would say probably this starters right this second. Mm -hmm. But certainly, completely up for grabs. Neil Farrell Jr., I think, is going to make a real push as well. Farrell Jr., Butler, Jenkins. I mean, there's going to be a huge just siphoning. Uh, uh, Young, uh, Silvera, if he makes the team. 
they're just mm. they're going to be rotating these guys in and out, in and out, in and out, and different combinations too. Yep. So I can definitely see us having almost like um, something similar to what uh, the Giants did. They had so many fucking off. They had so many defensive linemen, like starting quality defensive linemen. They almost did like hockey lines. Where even even in a hurry up defense, they were able to switch out because they were able. All right, guys, you guys just get ready, and as soon as the freaking whistles, whistles blow, just run in there and we'll take the other guys out. Even if you guys aren't good, you're at least going to be fresh. So we're just going to rotate, right? You're gonna rotate, you're, rotate. You're at least going to be fresh, right? We don't have yeah. we don't have great start uh, again. And this is all, you know, training camp season started yet, let alone preseason. Someone may, hopefully, someone does rise above the pack and say, I'm the starter, solidify himself and, and play great. As of right this second, July 12th, these are the wide open spots. Uh, the number two most open spot, back to offense, right guard. We've, we've understood the Raiders mentality of not spending assets, money, or really a lot of draft picks on the O-line because they're looking for continuity. continuity. Okay. Got it. I understand it. Maybe I understand the thought process. Hopefully it works. There was a lot of weaknesses on our O-line last season, uh, especially early in the season. They progressed as the season went along. But if there is a weak link, it's Alex Bars at right guard. Right guard. Um, again, I think when training camp starts, he'll be the first guy in the first group. But I think they are not only waiting, like thinking someone can take the spot. I think they're the looking. coaching staff is hoping. Yeah, they're if, looking for someone. Can there be somebody on this 90-man preseason roster that's better than Alex Barr's police? Yeah, so he's going to be like the, the, the placeholder until somebody beats him out. Yep. And I mean, Alex Bars isn't a terrible player. He's a decent player. He's just not a starter. Yep. He, and, and when he was put into that starting role... It, it, it just got worse as the season went along because teams were starting to identify his play and, and what he um, It's It can only get better, guys. Now, there were some things that that the offense did to help you know the, the line out a little bit. I think a, a stat that I shared with you was um, the Raiders faced the eighth least number of loaded boxes in the league last year, so percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. So that helped the running game, right? Uh, because they're not facing loaded boxes geared to stop them. But even though they faced a lot of defenses geared to like pass rush and stuff, they were still middle of the pack in you know in pass in pass uh, protection and 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 they were I think they're one or two in time to throw uh, for the quarterback. So uh, they're not great. They're not terrible. I don't think there's going to be a reason why we lose a lot of games. The other curveball here could be Illuminar moves to right guard, and then right tackle is basically the new wide open spot. Brandon Parker, Thayer Mumford, someone else. That's another potential here. Uh, and number one, it's actually technically should be one A and one B, or number one and number two, is cornerback. Because if we have a slot quarterback, cornerback, we need two corners. We do not have two starting corners. If Nate Hobbs plays slot, we need two starting outside corners. If Nate Hobbs stays on the outside, we need a starting outside corner and a starting slot corner. We are so thin at corner, we're anorexic. So the, the issue that we're having here is 
those three corner spots, none of them are locks, right? Like, there's no lock that Hobbs is going to play on the inside like he played his best as a rookie. Yeah. So you can't even you you can pretty much say like, okay, Hobbs is going to be one of the guys, but where is he going to play? And after that, who are the other two guys going to be? And it's there's a lot of players. None of them are great. I mean, I'm going to go as far as none of them are really very good. They're okay. I don't know if there's any lock starters on this in this cornerback crew besides Hobbs. We don't know what Bennett is yet, but as of right now, there's guys and then there's Hobbs. The good news is there's a lot of guys in the running. Like with linebacker, you're kind of just like what you got. Like there's enough guys at corner. I can see someone really impressing, right? Like there's, there's it's just such a big corner room, whether it's a rookie that impresses or I don't know, a meek figures things out. You got Jacorian Bennett, Brandon face on like these guys, you know, guys with experience, like guys can get better with a, with a lot of playing time, right? You had a lot of playing time last season. Hey, maybe I can improve on that. It's the, it's by far the thinnest and we need two spots and, and it's most likely not going to be great, but the optimism is, there's a lot of like fresh legs and guys with a lot of reps out there. So you get enough of those guys competing. We're hoping we can get at least one. Fingers crossed. Praise Allah. Can we get at least two? So okay. that's it. The five positions that are wide open, the most wide open positions for the Raiders going into this preseason. Number five, linebacker. Number four, quarterback. Number three, defensive tackle. Number two, right guard. Number one, cornerback. It should be cornerback, parentheses S, because we need to. Raiders and what up, one bags? Uh, yeah, what up? Well, I'm fucking right here. Dennis Ortiz, nine, seven, eight, one. This was during your live chat where there's a lot of Josh Jacobs discussion. And he asked, what's wrong with the prove it deal? Jacobs won't sign it. That's the, that's the <laughs> fucking problem. Well, that's exactly what a franchise tag is. Here's $10 million one year. Prove you should get more. Like, that's what a franchise tag kind of sort of more or I less mean, is. That's, I mean, I don't know who he was asking. He might, he, was he asking Josh Jacobs that? Because, I mean, it's not like the Raiders don't want him. They do. They, they said, we'll give you Let's do a little role play. Dollars. Let's do a little role okay. play here. All right. Put on your furry outfit. Just kidding. Got it. Uh, you're Josh Jacobs. I'm Dave Ziegler. Got it. Hey, Josh. Great season this year. I'm glad you're, we're finally sitting down. This is looking great. God, you look swole. You, you've been lifting? Oh, my. Wow, you look really, really impressed. This is me buttering you up, right? Carrying this offense. Right? So we're having to do it. Yeah, you're, you're, your shoulders are so broad from putting the entire franchise on your shoulders. Um, so look, man. $10 million. That's life-changing money for anybody. Think of what you can do with that kind of money. Think what you can do with the Raiders this season. $10 million. Give us one more year. $10 million guaranteed. You're one of the highest paid running backs in football this upcoming season with $10 million. Do that. And if you prove that you can be the same guy again, because last year, love you, Josh. Little fluky, right? That was your best season ever. We haven't seen you consistently do. You've been great for us the entire time. This was your best year last season. Do that again. And we'll be forced to extend you. We won't have, we'll be handcuffed. Well, how, either we let you walk and get nothing or we franchise tag you again and you get even more money. I mean, you're in a great position here, Josh. Take the $10 million. Be a Raider one more year. We'll go from there. So I have a little bit of issue with, with how you're presenting this. 
Okay. First off, this is the almost the exact same speech I was given when you told me you were gonna you weren't picking up my fifth year option. Did I mention how big your biceps are? Yeah, sure. So um, I've already heard this story once before. You told me that you weren't picking up my fifth year option, and to prove that we were wrong by not picking it up by balling out, which I did. So I told you, I, I showed you who I could be, right? Mm. Now, because of your doing, not mine, because of your doing, I am now eligible to be a free agent. Mm -hmm. Now, this tag should only be in place to allow us to negotiate. But the issue is you're not willing to pay me the market price for a player that's as integral to their team as the top running backs get paid. Well, you look at the other guys in your situation, Josh, and again, your thighs are just bulging out of those shorts. Like you're looking fantastic. Awesome. Really I don't have three thighs. Uh, well, you can buy a new one with $10 million. You look at the other guys in your situation, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley. It's just the market. We are as much a victim to the market as you are. We don't want to have to pay Chandler Jones a $30 million guarantee. We don't want to have to do that, but that's the business that we're in, right? I don't want to have to pay inflation prices for my carne asada burrito. When I was in high school, it was $3.25. Now it's 10 bucks. That sucks. The mark, this, is, this makes you a high-paid guy. $10 million. Maybe that changes next season, but in this off season right now, cheap running backs that can be really great producers. It can come at a 10th of your price. We want to pay you. We want to give you 10 mil. We can get guys that can produce a lot for a 10th as much. I hear what you're saying. And I understand that. But the issue that we're having here is every other position group is getting paid more. The next person up who's the top guy in the league is getting paid more and 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 it's it's steadily been declining so so much so that the highest paid person in my position this year is a rookie because he's a top 10 pick is that a gucci so, shirt it looks really really good on you it's so here's flat. another problem that i'm having another problem that i'm having is you could make me a deal where i'm not as big a cap hit as 10 million dollars Mm -hmm. Sign me to a longer term contract, and you're actually saving money over the next two years, cap wise. If you sign me to a longer term extension, how about a prove it deal? Because that's what Dennis Ortiz nine seven eight one said on the Autumn Windbags, and we know that that's our favorite show. Me being Dave Ziegler, you and Josh Jacobs, you guys never miss one. So I'm sure they're watching right now, and they're both taking notes. What's wrong with the prove it deal? Just for $10 million, that's a pretty damn good prove it deal. I just did one. My last my last season. But this on one's for $10 million. I understand that, but it's lower than what I deserve. It's lower than what my position deserves. And not just as a running back, not just as the guy up next, but as the reigning leading rusher in the NFL, who you failed to take my fifth year, uh, to um, execute my fifth year option. And you told me the same speech last year. So I showed, I did my part. Now it's time for you to do yours. And you can do yours saving cap the next couple of years. What team is going to pay you $10 million? Next year? Let's find out. I'm sure your agent's Rescind, rescind the tag right now. Rescind I'm the tag sure your agent's, let me go out and find it out. I'm sure your agent knows. I'm sure he already knows. Let's, let's be a doctor, let, no. Let's be you, a doctor. You, 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 you can know, hear it secondhand. You can hear around. it secondhand or you can let the league say it. Let, let, let me be let me be a free agent and we could find out. I'm doing you a favor, Josh, by 
by giving you 10 million American dollars, making one of the highest paid running backs in the league. And if you're this good next season, you'll have us over a barrel. Like, you know, let's call spade a spade. You know what I mean? Like, we have all the leverage here. You're under our franchise tag. After this season, you have all the leverage. And if you're that good and you do this season again, you're going to get whatever you want from anybody. Right? We but know that's, that's not season. true. But what is true is I am doing you the favor by allowing you to keep me at a lower cap hit the next two years instead of franchising me this year and next year. You down for some pickleball later this afternoon? I know it's 100 deg- <laughs> 120 degrees outside, but... And scene. It's a it's a tough situation for the forth, Raiders, man. man. Back and forth. They're basically I really hope Ziegler, to do it. They're basically I really hope Ziegler butters him up too. Just just a mouthful of cock. Just butter Josh up as much as possible. Uh, yeah, he has a. I mean, his stance is my position is is held down because of the franchise tag. Because you're not allowing us in our prime to hit free agency, and yeah. you don't want to extend us. You're using the franchise tag to artificially keep down our value. That's why our value is low. Make me a free agent. Do what happened with fucking Lamar, right? Let me go see what else is out there. As for me, let me go see what else. Let me see if someone's willing to offer me. Like you just said, we have all the leverage. Next year, not the case. So take the one-year prove-it deal. If you do this again next season, we'll have to franchise you again for way more money. Or let you go, and you'll be able to get whatever you deserve on the open market. I can't pay my five baby mamas and ifs. You can pay them with ten million dollars. Uh, George Nelson, eighty-two, on how many I have. eighty-four. Nick Cannon can pay all his baby mamas with ten million dollars. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tight. George Nelson, eighty-two, eighty-four. If the Raiders are like two and six, he will demand a trade. And there's a strong possibility that we will be bad. Defense is still bad. And QB is a huge question. The he in this one is Devontae Adams. We were mm-hmm. talking about uh, one of the other uh, what up win bags was, I think Devontae is going to ask for a trade. If the Raiders are two and six. What are the odds Devontae Adams asked for a trade? I don't think he's going to do it mid-year. Because he's the one guy on the team that's a little, that's still in his prime, but a little older and expensive that, that would that the Raiders would be like, okay, we'll let you go and make, you know, look, chase whatever. I don't know. And I, I really don't feel like Devontae Adams will ask out midseason, but I tell you what he would probably do. Mr. Ziegler, mind if I come in? Great. Okay. I have a squeaky door. I got yeah. a WD 40 that. Sorry. We suck. Okay. I am completely willing to give you everything I have for the rest of the season. But if something were to come up where you feel like it's better for the team long-term to move me, I'd be open to it. If not, I'm completely fine with staying here the rest of the season. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if, if, it, if the team is imploding, I think he'd want out of there as soon as possible and be like, look, the um – the Eagles just had two starting wide receivers go down with injury. Let me get a ring. Let me go there. Let me, you know what I mean? Like something, something like that. If the Raiders are imploding in two and six, I think he would, I think he'd be a little bit more demanding. I hope that's what he does. And if it's, and if it's kind of just like two and six and ho hum, he's probably less demanding. Yep. But if it's two and six and like the locker room's gone and everyone's pissed at each other, he's like, give me the fuck out of this cesspool. 
I don't see the thing is I don't I don't see locker room issues. I don't see that. Number one. Number two, he didn't do that in Green Bay. He gave them forewarning. Like, look, you have this year. But Green Bay was also killing it, right? Like your quarterback was NFL MVP. That's that's a completely different situation. Well, he didn't care who the quarterback was because you could you're telling me that he couldn't force himself out of Green Bay right now if Aaron Rodgers decided to leave. At the, well, at the time, there was no way he was going to because they were winning. Like, this is a little different situation, right? Like, we saw how, like, when his contract was about to come up, he didn't know if Aaron Rodgers was going to be back. They gave him the, – the, the Packers lowballed him, and he took it as an insult and said, no matter what you're paying, I'm not staying, right? A little different. The losing element in Green Bay was well, not a factor. What, what the losing element here, I think, is the, is the question of what a win backs. But what, what you're missing is, is that there was a whole year – of him telling him, hey, do right by me or else. So it was a long time before he put his foot in the ground. Sure, but you're more patient when the NFL MVP is your quarterback. Because like winning is always kind of like... Well, he didn't know he was going to be his quarterback. He still gave them a chance to give them a, give him a contract. If they offered him the deal that they offered him finally after the Raiders offered him a deal... And Rodgers was still leaving. I think well, he would have stayed. Well, the, the damage is already done at that point, right? Because they gave him the low ball. And he said, "Fuck you, I'm not coming back." And the Packers came back. It's like, "Oh, here's more." And at no, that no. point, Devontae but it was a whole year before that. There was they, they they went through this already when they franchise tagged him. There was already a whole year before that. Well, the fran- the franchise tag was another instance, right? Like that was yeah. The, that's what I'm saying is that was the okay. f- that was the, the first the previous instance. previous yeah previous was, previous year. That was the first instance that made him say, hey, don't fuck me over again. I'm going to give you the opportunity to not fuck me over again. But again, NFC Championship, NFL MVP team, which drastically changes the situation. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I'm not, I, I'm, what I'm saying is by saying all that is it's not cut and dry. Yeah, if we're shitty, he's going to ask for a trade. I don't I, I just don't think that's... I agree. Happen. If it's if it's, if it's it's two and six and we just like can't get over the hump, but we're close against great teams, a little different. If we're two and six and playing like shit... Locker room's gone. I think Devontae's like, look, let me get a ring somewhere. Uh, last one. Cedric Moore, 80-53. Patrick Mahomes, sex with dolphins. Ha, ha, ha. You guys are cracking me up. So this came from uh, the story of how Patrick Mahomes' wife took a picture swimming with dolphins and PETA like, blew up on her and we were making fun of the whole situation, LOL. There is a giant advancement in this story. And so I had no idea that PETA watches the autumn windbags religiously. But we spent maybe three minutes, two, three minutes talking about it. It wasn't in the title. It wasn't in the description. It was just us just having fun, making fun of Patrick Mahomes. PETA emailed us. Directly from PETA, Nicole Meyer, media officer at PETA, sent us a long email. About our three minutes talking about Patrick Mahomes' wife. It was cordial. It was a cordial email. with dolphins. And, and in fairness to Miss Meyer, uh, it was very professional, very cordial, uh, cordial, and very informative. I won't read the whole thing, but hi, RJ and Juan. We caught your recent segment regarding PETA's response to Brittany Mahomes' posing with the dolphins. And while we always appreciate a lively discussion, we wanted to clear up some misconceptions about PETA's work. And she talked about how it's like, oh, it's so terrible that you're swimming with dolphins. She repeated, and then she continues, while we may not see eye to eye on tactics, because we were making fun of how like 
people don't like PETA because they're so over the top and it's weird mm -hmm. that an organization who's doing something that 90, like America can't agree on anything. 99% of Americans can agree. Don't be cruel to animals. Yeah. That's one of the few things like almost, almost everybody minus some psychos and whoever's in charge of profits from factory farming is like, we can be, we can be cool to animals and no one supports PETA because they're crazy. She said, well, we may not see eye to eye on tactics, we're sure you'll agree that PETA gets results. Our colorful protests, colorful protests, and investigations have brought worldwide attention to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. PETA has worked to expose animal abuse since our inception in 1980, et cetera, et cetera. So again, very cordial. We were making fun of them, fucking around, and they didn't come scathing at us. But this has always been my point. Yeah, you've, you have some W's. Sure. You've been around... For 43 years, of course, you're going to get some W's. But my point is, I don't know a single person that supports PETA. Not a single, I, I know almost exclusively animal lovers. My wife, when one of our two dogs eventually passes away, they're both 10 years old. She's taking two weeks off of work to more. I, almost everybody I know over the top loves animals. No one supports PETA. Because they're crazy. It'd be, it'd be, it, it wouldn't be as funny if it wasn't true. Right? Like, oh, let's, let's throw blood on people wearing furs. Let's eviscerate people for eating chicken. It's like, how about we just like get those Japanese whalers that are clubbing seals? Like, let's just get, the, let's just focus on that. Like, let's start with the, let's start with the easy ones. Like, why are you taking nothing but half court shots when there's plenty of layups for you? You know? That's more my thing. Again, oh, it's just, uh, I actually respect PETA far more thanks to Miss Meyer in this email because it was very professional and she laid out what, what their what their process was and we can agree to disagree on this. I actually came out of this respecting PETA more, but all it's going to take is one more of these tweets, one more of these demonstrations that's like over the top and I'm like, I, I can't support that. Sorry. It's just, uh, I get what they're doing. And, and this is part of the reason why we don't we don't hear more bad things like that aren't so over the top that PETA does. It's because they do stuff like this. Whenever they probably have a bot. Whenever like the the name is like any like I mean I, I can tell you right now Cedric writing like freaking anyone writing PETA like it's gonna pop up. It's gonna get flagged. Yeah, and then. One of the interns is gonna, or one of the volunteers is gonna watch or read whatever was said or written, and then they're gonna give a synopsis, and then okay, I need to see this, and and then they're gonna go from there. So they do a really good job of controlling their image, even though it's not great. They do it. They're controlling their image, is making it look as nuts as possible. <laughs> That's the control. But sure uh, volume. Yeah, Nicole Meyer. All due respect to you, but I think you can use better use of your time than emailing us. I appreciate that you did. Very much appreciate that. I mean, I appreciate the like, the comment, and the subscribe. Right. Subscribe. Subscribe. PETA, if you subscribe to the Autumn Windbags, we'll say nothing but good things about you. All right, PETA. Okay. PETA has a YouTube channel, right? PETA has to Peter, have a YouTube channel. PETA, here is my offer to you. Should you and all of your followers subscribe and watch all of our videos? We will do me. a barbecue in your honor with nothing. But chinchillas, 
And you see, now you ruin it all. It, it was possible that they would do it. Now you ruin it. I would say this. I turn around. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you get all of your followers to like, comment, and subscribe on all our videos, we, as in RJ and myself, will not utter one more bad word about PETA and the great work that they do. This is a binding contract. Legally binding contract. You can take it to your lawyers. Scout's honor. Done. Until then, we both might have to be vegans. If you give us 100,000 subscribers, we'll be vegans for life. I don't know about that. <laughs> We're up. Soto's up to negotiate. Hit us up. Until then, knock on wood if you're with me.